everyone. Welcome back to the Living Streams podcast. I'm your host, Brandon, and today I'm joined by two of my really good friends, Alex Seekins and Mark Buckley. Welcome to the show, guys. It's good to be here. Thank, Thank you. Yeah. Thanks so much, Brandon. Absolutely. Well, today we're going to talk about one of my absolute favorite topics. We're going to talk about rest. And so we've been doing this series for the last couple months now where we're talking about the different areas of our life that we deal with outside of church. And so David continuously has been reminding us that God doesn't want to make you good at church. He wants to make you good at life. And I think that's such a great concept. And I think that this topic of rest is one that we don't talk about nearly as much as we should in church, but it honestly ends up being a large portion of your lives. So, um, yeah, I would it's love... Sort of, it's sort of funny, you know, because when you're a little kid, the one thing that you hate to do is rest, at least for <laughs> right. me. And now I remember crying because my mom made me take a nap. Now I look forward to a nap. <laughs> at Absolutely. different stages of life, you have different approaches to rest. Totally. Yeah. Yep, naps are good stuff. That's for sure. Um, and it's funny because, you know, of all the Ten Commandments, there's really just one that we feel good about ignoring, and it's the commandment to Sabbath, to honor the Sabbath right. day and keep it holy. But for some reason, we've systematically in the church kind of written that one off and said, oh, you know, Sabbath just means you go to church on Sunday morning mm-hmm. and you're good to go. But it's not at all. I mean, that has nothing to do with, uh, with the commandment to Sabbath and with the realities that are attached to it. Right. You're right, Alex. It's like... Um, <clears throat> Nobody would make excuses for adultery, for murder, for lying, um, maybe lying in certain circumstances, but... Um, Some people for, might, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't be okay yeah, with that. Right. Yeah, right. Stealing and covetousness and all the rest, but people think Sabbath doesn't matter. And part of the problem is because people haven't read the Old Testament. A lot of Christians never read the Old Testament. There's far more, and in the New Testament as well, there's far more about Sabbath than there is about tithing or a, a whole range of other topics. It's a major uh, criteria, it's focused commandment for God's people. And the irony is, is it's, you know, Jesus makes it clear to us that Sabbath was made for us. You know, totally. it's a gift for us, it's something that's meant to bless us, and yet it's something that we ignore it because it, it just feels a little counterintuitive. I, you know, and, and I suppose, you know, maybe somewhere in there is, is our flesh and the enemy just saying, if I can just get you away from the rest and the rhythm that God made you for, then, then maybe I, I have you vulnerable a little bit. Right, right. right. Very vulnerable. To me, um, what's part of the challenge is uh, with our finances, the Lord says set aside 10%. That's a mm-hmm. minimum. The goal isn't just that we be legalistic tithers. The goal is that we would be generous people. Sabbath is sep- you know one-seventh. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's closer to 15% of our of our time and the goal isn't just that we would be legalistic sabbath keepers is that we would be able to enter into god's rest as it says right. in hebrews 3 and 4 and um but i don't think you become generous until you realize you have a generous father in heaven so you tithe as a minimum as a discipline and you learn god provides even though you need that money for other purposes he continues to provide and as he provides you become generous because you realize it's not all up to you same with sabbath nobody's ever i'm done with all my work i don't have to do anything else i can completely rest i'm all caught up on everything you learn to sabbath you learn you become more productive in six days than you would in seven and then you eventually learn to enter God's mm-hmm. rest, which is, in my opinion, a big spiritual struggle. Totally. And I think 
people oftentimes struggle with this idea of, of rest being connected to Sabbath because it's just not something we talk a, a lot about in the Western church. And I think especially, you know, in a new covenant reality, I think a lot of people have this misconception that, you know, we're no longer under the law and therefore we don't have to abide by um, living on, under Sabbath. And I think like that's something that a lot of people really struggle with. So let's just talk for a minute about kind of defining our terms. What does Sabbath look like now that we're living in uh, an age post-cross? Well, I think that was a question that anybody hearing the commandment to, to Sabbath would have mm-hmm. wrestled with too. You know, by the time Jesus uh, was incarnate, the, the Pharisees and the people of Israel, they had come up with all of these rules to clarify it because they just wanted to uh, perpetually rid themselves of all the gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, and while there is plenty of specificity when it comes to the Sabbath uh, in the Old Testament, there's, there's really a lot more gray area um, and I think that's intentional. I think we see that, again, when Jesus shows up and, and re-clarifies the situation and says, wait a minute, wait a minute, Sabbath isn't a series of rules. Mm-hmm. Sabbath is meant for you. Sabbath is a day when you rest in the presence of the Lord and remember that your identity is found not in how much you can produce, but your identity is found actually in, in, in who made you. And you got to remember, too, when we, when we get a glimpse of the Sabbath being instituted, is for the people of Israel immediately after they've left captivity as slaves. And we're right. told that they had these quotas day in and day out, seven days a week when they're fulfilling. How many bricks can you make? Mm-hmm. You know, how much of this can you do? How many of this, this thing can you haul from point A to point B? And as soon, and as a slave, as soon as your capacity pr- to produce is gone, your value as a human is gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so God brings them into the wilderness uh, and starts to say to them, okay, here's the deal. One day a week, you have to rest, hmm. and you're going to put everything down, and you're not going to you're not going to mow the lawn. You're not going to go out and do this, do that. You're not even going to go out and, and pick up the free crackers that I left on the ground for you. Right. Um, anything you do, any work you do on the Sabbath, it's not going to work for you. It's going to work against you. Hmm. And so God is saying to them, take this day, and and let it be an example, a, a learning moment for you to realize that your value is not in what you build, but in whose image you made. And in that same place, you know, we're told that we see that they have written down the story of, of the Genesis account of creation, right? When God says, let us make man in our own image, mm-hmm. male and female, he made them. And, and just like, you know, a piece of art, <clears throat> you know, doesn't find its value in its function. You can't do right. much with a, with a painting on the wall. It just kind of sits there. Um, and, and if, you know, if I made a, a painting and put it on the wall, maybe I could get lucky and sell it for a hundred bucks or something like that, you know. But if you find a painting that was, uh, you know, by Da Vinci or um, Monet or someone like that, mm-hmm. that's going to be worth, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of dollars. Why? Not necessarily exclusively uh, be, because it's different from the painting I made, mm-hmm. but because of who made it. Wow. And certainly not because of the function that it serves. And so mm-hmm. things, the things, the pieces of art that are worth the most find their value not in function, but in the image they bear, the beauty that they represent, and and then primarily, mostly, more than anything else, in, in who made it. Uh, and you and I are, are images of God. We're pieces of, of art. Right. And we find our, our worth not primarily in our function, although that's a thing, and it's valuable, and it's good, and, you know, six days you shall work, it tells us. But we find our value primarily in the image that we bear, and in the one who made us. That's so good. I'm really glad you brought up that idea of the, the image of God. Because if you look at, at Genesis 1 and 2, you realize that the, the institution of Sabbath pr- 
predates the law. This is something that's written into the DNA of creation. It says that God created for six days and on the seventh day he rested. And so it's like being imitators of Christ, as Paul instructs us to do, is by imitating God in the way that we live our lives. And if God demonstrated, I'm going to work for six days and then rest for the seventh, then that's a rhythm that's built into us as image bearers of the creator. And I think that a lot of people get hung up on that idea that it is a legalistic thing. Like, oh, I've got to, I've got to lay down my work for, for one day out of the week because it's, a, it's, it's under the law, but really it's, it's something that's a, inherently part of our nature. Yeah, it's actually that we get to mm-hmm. rather than we have to, you know, I yeah. mean, people, what people are always obsessed with what can I do and what can't I do? The truth is we have permission from the Lord. We have permission to rest and we need that rest to renew ourselves so that we can be sharp, so that we can be effective, so that we can have a fresh sense of Mm -hmm. each day rather than just one day bleeds into the next and it's a perpetual cycle that leaves us strained. Totally. Yeah, I've I've been reading um, a book that Alec, you and I talked about briefly. It's The Sabbath by Abraham Heschel. And um, he's writing from a, a... a Jewish uh, point of view on on the Sabbath, and it's really been enlightening for me, kind of understanding the context that um, the Old Testament as well as the New Testament writers are um, are living out of when it comes to Sabbath. And one thing that he says in that book that I think is really poignant is that Sabbath, for from a um, from a Second Temple Judaism point of view, is it's not a means to continue to work and continue to labor and produce. It is an end in and of itself where you actually get to experience the presence of God um, one day a week set aside as a holy day. And I think that that's something that's a little bit hard for us to wrap our minds around as, as Western Christians where we tend to think about things in terms of, um, in terms of space, you know, the way that we live our lives in the present. But it's, it's really beautiful, I think, um, understanding that we, we're serving a God who is set in time and has given us a beautiful time to encounter him, not only on one day a week, but throughout the week. Mm-hmm. And I think um, it's, it's really important to set aside those moments where we get to enter into a place where we actually can encounter God. And I think the Sabbath can be something that is an excellent conduit for that encounter if you allow it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, just like the purpose of tithing is not just to make us really good at 10 percent it's to change our hearts so that we're generous people because we have a father that provides for us the purpose of sabbath isn't just so that we're really good at one day of resting it's Mm -hmm. so that we know how to enter god's rest all the time hebrews 3 and 4 says that we're to labor to enter god's rest right and you can't enter god's rest all the time if you don't know how to even enter God's rest one day of the week. Exactly. That's really good. So, so I guess practically speaking, um, how does this work, you know, for, for somebody who is, is living in the 21st century where there's a constant drive to go, 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 produce, produce, produce. Is there a difference between the kind of Sabbath you guys are talking about and just a day off? Are they synonymous or, or how do you, uh, separate those things out. Yeah, I think there's a profound difference between Sabbath and day off. Um, okay. Uh, at the core, <clears throat> I think day offs are are selfish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't have a day off. I'm not saying you're evil and you're engaging in selfishness when when you take a day off. But when I think of a day off, I think of a day. Uh, what, what do we say? We say self care. You know, is a big thing mm-hmm. that we talk about in, in our culture at this point in time. And um, 
you know, there's that joke on on the show Community where uh, uh, what are their I can't think of the two characters' names, but where they talk about treat yourself, you know, yeah. and they go out, and they just <laughs> splurge and they spend money on things that they don't need to do, and they go to the spa and they do all this stuff, and it's all about me on a day off. Um, and I don't think most of us are going to that full extent when we have a day off, but at the end of the day, we're thinking, how can I do the things that I want to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, but Sabbath is actually very different from that. Sabbath is actually, uh, it, it is certainly about rest, and it is certainly something that God instituted for us. Uh, but it's actually, uh, what a lot of people don't realize is that on the Sabbath, uh, you're actually commanded to do acts of mercy. There's this word okay. in the Hebrew language, mitzvah, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of those words that just doesn't translate well into the English language. We don't really have uh, a comparison for it. Um, but it means at the same time commandment um, as it also means act of mercy. Right. Um, and it's the only thing that you're allowed to do on the Sabbath work-wise. You're, you're commanded to do acts of mercy. And, and it's not just something that you can do. It's something that you have to do. And so Jesus references the Old Testament when he says, what happens if your ox falls into a hole on the Sabbath? Obviously, you're not going to say, oh, I'll get to that tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, your ox is in a hole. That's horrible. Go, go, go do an act of mercy. Go pull it out. Jesus exemplifies that um, situation and he, in which he brings that verse up. He's, he's, he's healing people. Mm. And people are calling him out for him. He says, what are you talking about? This guy was sick. He was blind. He was, he was mute. He was lame. Of course I'm going to heal him on the Sabbath. It's an act of mercy. It's a mitzvah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the things that we see on the Sabbath is God is saying, here's not a day where you don't do any work at all and none of it is allowed. Here's a day when you don't do any work for you. Mm-hmm. Where if the day passes and there's no acts of mercy to do, wonderful, great. That's going to be most of them probably. But when there's an act of mercy, you're allowed to do that because the day is not for building the kingdom of me. Hmm. It's, it's a day that is exclusively reserved for building the kingdom of God. And so if someone calls me up on the Sabbath, for me personally, the way I, I institute it, and says, hey, uh, it's time uh, for me to move. i, I got to switch houses. Would you come help me? Uh, I groan a little bit. And then I remind myself, this isn't a day off, this is a Sabbath. And so because it's Sabbath, yes, I'm showing up. And the funny thing is, is even though you end up working and moving couches and Mm -hmm. furniture and all that stuff the whole day, there is some rest for your soul that I don't think you get when you don't do that. Because because just knowing that I didn't do work for me today is a big difference. I didn't do work because I needed to produce. Um, And so for me specifically, how that kind of manifests a little bit, um, I, I, I try to have a very organic filter on the Sabbath, recognizing mm-hmm. again that it's a day that was that was made for us, not a not a day that's full of commandments and legalism. Yeah. Um, but I, the filter that I try to use when it comes to should I do this task, should I not do this task, and today is the day that I'm trying to honor the Sabbath. I ask myself, do I want to do this because I want to produce for me, mm-hmm. or do I want to do this because it's rest or because it's for someone else? So to me, in my generation, a day off is usually the day you may cut the lawn, where you do chores around the house, you do the honeydew list, you do a whole bunch of things, like Alex was saying, that really will help your life get better, but they're things that accumulate when you're working Mm -hmm. and putting in a lot of hours during the week on your main job. A Sabbath is the day where you're not trying to do all those chores. You're not trying to um, have, for me, like I could play golf any day of the week, but I don't play golf on my Sabbath because um, it's not about satisfying myself. It's really about satisfying my soul in God. That's good. Allowing my soul to interact with the one who can massage my heart and refresh my spirit. 
Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean I don't watch a TV program about something fun or whatever. It just simply means that I'm, give, I'm giving myself permission. In Mark Buchanan's book, The Rest of God, uh, mm-hmm. Restoring Your Soul by Restoring the Sabbath, he talks a lot about permission to do the things that restore your soul mm-hmm. rather than feeling obligated. If making pancakes for your family is a, a community building restorative thing, great. If going out to breakfast with your family does that for you, then do that. That's really good. I've, I've been reading recently a book called Garden City by John Mark Comer, and he, he and his section on um, Sabbath kind of gives a criteria that he uses in his own life, and I've been trying to apply it in my, <clears throat> mine. He says, on the Sabbath, you need to really ask yourself two questions. Is it rest and is it worship? And I think that, for, at least for me personally, that's been incredibly practical, figuring out, okay, what does that look like? Because it could be different for each person. It's not what the Pharisees were doing where they're saying, okay, you're allowed to walk this many steps on the Sabbath. You're allowed to do this, 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 and this in order to protect this day. Really, I mean, when Jesus says that man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man, it's supposed to be a restorative thing. And so for me, I've been asking myself this question, you know, like, is it is it restful? Because for some people, like going and tending the garden could be rest or it could be work, depending on the week, it, it could be either one, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or, and then the other thing you need to ask yourself, is it, is it an act of worship? And I think that that is where your idea of, of mitzvah really comes in, because that entering into building the kingdom of God by serving another person is absolutely worship. And so I think that obviously like you got to figure out that balance of, okay, am I, am I entering into rest or am I just using this another day as another right. day to do ministry, right. especially for people like us who are doing full-time ministry. I think that that right. can be really hard balance to strike. Yeah, If somebody asked me to help them move on a Saturday, which is my Sabbath, I'd probably say no. I'd say any other day, I'd be glad to help you move, but not that day. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody's in the hospital, I might go visit them on the Sabbath, which I do frequently because um, maybe I'm just going and too busy throughout the week. Or if somebody, I have a friend who has Alzheimer's, I'll oftentimes go visit him on a Sabbath day because it's it's a way of, like Alex said, showing mercy. Totally. And I think that, you know, when you're asking those questions, just the integrity of your heart um, is a big thing. We know what's, what's going on in our heart. And, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. the gardening. I think that's a perfect example for me because... Some weeks, it's it's rest mm-hmm. for me. For, you know, I think I'm I'm that person you were just referencing. There. Yeah. Some weeks I want to go out and spend time in the garden. Some weeks the weeds are bad and I don't feel like it, and it's it's Sabbath, mm-hmm. and I have to tell myself no, like I don't want to do that because it sounds like rest today. I want to do that because I want the garden to be in shape, mm-hmm. you know, and. Um, you know, I think when we just ask ourselves, well, what's what's going on in my heart? What's the in- integrity of right. my heart here? Is this is this rest or is this work today? Um, and if the answer is yeah, it's rest, then I think whatever whatever it is you're doing, uh, it's going to be okay. You know, totally. the Lord's not. I don't think is holding something against you. The, you know, the the goal here is just to to guard the Sabbath, to observe mm-hmm. the Sabbath, to keep it holy, um, and that just means a lot of different things. Um, and as long as we're really pursuing the Lord in it and really trying to honor Him in it. I think we've done something good on the Sabbath. Totally. We're in a culture that's so plugged in. People are <clears throat> on their phones all the time. People are, are stimulated by media all the time. And to have time where you're not overstimulated, there's, that's a break that most yeah. of our souls desperately need. 
Totally. And obviously this is, it's more than just the one day a week that you set aside as, as Sabbath. But I do think that's really important. I think there is something that's wired into creation that says six days you work, mm-hmm. seven you rest. Mm-hmm. I know I, I heard a study one time that talked about um, the Soviet Union changing the work week from seven to a 10 day mm-hmm. work schedule and it just didn't work. Right. People were burned mm-hmm. out. Machines yep. were breaking, animals were dying, right, right. and there was a decision that was made that, okay, there's mm. something significant about the seven-day work week. Yeah. And I think it's really amazing because that's something that really points to the intention that God had. And I, on Sunday, David talked about these cycles that God has built into creation. And I think there is something that is in our souls that say, okay, every seventh day, I need to rest and reconnect mm. with the Creator and uh, really plug into that source of life. I was talking with a guy who coaches professional athletes mm-hmm. and, and um, he's working with a, a lady on the LPGA tour and I said the one thing I would tell her if I was you is make sure she takes the Sabbath because mm-hmm. your body will break down. You can be the most gifted athlete in the world. You go seven days a week, your body will break down. Okay. Maybe not on the first time you do it, but eventually it's a law of diminishing returns. Totally. And, you, you know, the <clears throat> the funny thing about Sabbath, I mean, you mentioned it, you know, it, it it's easy to forget uh, that in Deuteronomy, when we're when we're given the Sabbath as mm-hmm. a commandment, uh, the first part of that is six days you shall work. And, and the ironic thing is that this day of rest, this day off, uh, where we learn that we're not about producing, that's not where our value comes from. Uh, the counterintuitive results here is that we produce more. Hmm. Um, I firmly believe that people who guard the Sabbath and who honor it and who keep it holy end up being significantly more productive than people who don't. And you look at the mm-hmm. societies and the cultures that do, and you see that, yeah, generally speaking, these people are more productive. You know, you look at the Jewish people who for thousands of years have been honoring the Sabbath, and amidst uh, situations uh, and cultures and societies where they've been persecuted, they still seem to come out with more stuff, more productive, mm-hmm. more influence, uh, e- even though they're, they're the recipient of anti-Semitism. Um, and I think that foundationally, uh, among many other categories, but I think maybe one of the key ones here, one of the key factors is that they're honoring the Sabbath. They're taking a rest and and six days they work. And what I found for me personally is when I don't Sabbath, I try to sneak in through the week these little moments of fake rest. Mm-hmm. You know, I get home and as soon as I get home from work, if I haven't honored the Sabbath, I just think I'm done. That's it. I'm going to sit down on the couch, kick my feet up. Um, and I'm going to get the, all the rest that I can get because these couple of hours before bed, that's all the real rest I'm going to get this week. Um, but when I honor the Sabbath, I find myself thinking, no, I don't need to rest now. I can get home and do the chores and finish the homework or you know, work on my message or do whatever work I need to do because I'm going to rest all day Saturday. And, and then uh, a key thing for me, actually, I just switched. I've been doing my Sabbaths for a long time um, in the Western mindset of when I wake up to when I go to bed. Okay. Um, but traditionally, uh, in uh, in Jewish history and modern Jews too, you know, they'll honor the Sabbath from evening, from sundown to sundown, mm-hmm. because that's what we see actually in the creation account. You know, the evening and then morning, and so we see mm-hmm. this account where the day actually begins at sundown and ends at sundown the next day. And so they'll honor the Sabbath as soon as it's too dark, uh, as soon as the sun sets on Friday evening. Uh, and then they'll end it Saturday evening. And what I found actually, uh, I didn't expect this. I just shifted it kind of as an experiment for me. And I started doing it that way. 
Uh, and what I've found recently is when I do that, there's this, uh, this couple of hours of go time on Friday, you know, the hours that are leading up to, right. to Sabbath where I'm thinking, oh, okay, like I got to do this, I got to do that. I got, because I'm telling myself any work that I can do right now, I'll do right now because I'm not going to do it the next day. So I'm going to prep my dinner, you know, before sundown. I'm going to make sure that, you know, the house is cleaned and tidy and I'm going, going, going. And then, and then the other thing is at the end of the day on Saturday after sunset, all of a sudden I'm, I'm itching to do something. And so I'm watching my clock and the sun goes down and I'm like, all right, let's, you know, what, what did I, you know, let's clean up the dishes from breakfast. Let's get all the stuff done that I waited all day. Mm-hmm. And it's actually producing in me at the same time, this rhythm of rest, this peace in the Lord, um, this, this space to worship and connect with God and with my wife. Uh, and it's producing in me better work ethic. You know, you mentioned the Jews, Alec. The Jews have received over 400 Nobel Prizes throughout the last 100 years when this, those have been given out. That's more than all the Chinese, more than all the people from India, more than any other ethnic group or uh, nation mm-hmm. even. And there's, the Jews represent less than 1% of the population of the earth. Mm-hmm. There's only like 14 million Jews in all of the earth. And uh, there's 1.4 billion Chinese. And for the Jews to have far more Nobel Prizes means that they've gotten a, a rate of accomplishment that far surpasses their numbers. And what is it? Why is it? It's because they're made in the image of God and they know it and God has put certain things in their heart, Mm. certain things in their lifestyle that has stimulated their brains and their creativity and their entrepreneurship and all the rest. Mm. And just imagine if Christians would take seriously the commandments of the Lord the way the Jewish people do. Yeah, totally. Well, I mean, it goes back to that creation account. You know what I mean? This is something that goes beyond just following the letter of the law. You know, it says right. that God blessed the Sabbath and he made it holy. And so there's a blessing in in allowing ourselves and giving ourselves the permission to to enter into that rest that he offers for us. And I th- right. I'm glad that you brought up the, that concept in Hebrews 3 and 4, Mark, because there really is an act of faith that goes along with entering into rest. It says that the Jewish people were unable to enter into rest because of their unbelief. And I do think that oftentimes we're, we fail to enter into the rest of the Lord because we're afraid that we're not going to be able to get our work done. We're not going to be able to mm-hmm. be productive or whatever it is. And it really does take a, a measure of faith to say, okay, for 24 hours, I'm going to allow God to be God. The universe is going to continue to do its thing. Right. The, you know, like the sun's going to keep shining. The earth is going to keep going around it. It's not going to change just because I decide to yet. stop working. Right. Right. And, yeah. and I think that's really beautiful for us to sometimes at least once a week say, okay, I realize that if I'm not working, it's, it's going to be okay. Right. I think especially for people um, in ministry, I think we really do get in this rhythm of I've got to be constantly working. I've got to be constantly accomplishing things for the kingdom. And you almost get in this false savior mindset where Mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I I need to be the one that's doing the work. And I think Sabbath really forces us to realize that it's God who's going to do the work. And and really we get a partner with that, but we're partnering with him when we're resting as well. So I think that's super duper important. Another thing that's important is for us not to get into judging people about the Sabbath. Because in Romans 14 it says, some hold one day more important than others. Mm -hmm. Others hold all days alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. In other words, everybody needs to think this through. Mm -hmm. Everybody needs to plan this out for your own lifestyle. And know that God has 
a, a command so that you can be blessed, totally. not so that you can be under condemnation or so that you can become a judge. And in the New Testament church, there were a lot of struggles over those who were legalists who were trying to judge the new Gentile believers because they didn't keep all the Sabbaths or all the rules, the way that mm -hmm. circumcision, etc., that they had been raised as Jews. The bottom line is Christ is the one who is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. And what our goal is, is to be a shining example of the way Christ provides, not just forgiveness of sins, but blessing for our entire life. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, so I guess my question would be for somebody who maybe has never really experienced a Sabbath, a true Sabbath, a day where they're not working at all, they're really entering into worship. How do you begin that process? What does that look like in each of your lives? What, is, what does Sabbath look like? How have you held to it? And what's been the journey that's led you into choosing the Sabbath on a regular basis? Yeah, I, I, I have a different pattern maybe than Alex, but my pattern is I like to, um, I agree that start on Friday night. I'm not working Friday night. I'm going to have time with my wife. I'm going to, we may go to a restaurant. We may stay home, but it's a quiet night. Um, Saturday, I'm going to read. I'm going to study. I'm going to pray. I'm going to take a nap. And then I might read something different and uh, sit in the backyard for a while. I might watch a TV program, but I'm going to just do all the unwind things and mm -hmm. nothing that cranks me up because I'm a type A personality. I like to, to be on the go, but it's the one day where you unstring the bow. You know, they mm -hmm. say that if you have a, a bow and you keep it strung tight all the time, it loses its resiliency and it doesn't fire with <clears throat> the same kind of power. Yeah. So we unstring the bow of our soul so that we have more power throughout the week. That's good. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think I think at the core is some of the things that we talked about is just asking yourself, what's the filter that I'm going to utilize uh, for what I can do and what I can't do? And we're all wired so incredibly differently. You know, mm -hmm. my uh, my wife does Sabbath very differently because she's go 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 go, and I I mostly just want to sit down and read a book, spend some time in the hammock. You know, uh, you know maybe if it's if it's the right week for it, a little garden uh, garden time, definitely some TV. I, I'd, I'd like to start spending less time on the TV right. on the Sabbath, but yeah. um, but you know maybe we'll go to the farmers market or something like that. Um, it's just just whatever whatever feels restful. I, I kind of let myself say, you know, unless there's a mitzvah coming down the pipeline, it's it's what do I feel like doing today? Mm -hmm. um, and for me, that is a lot more inactivity. For my wife, you know, uh, she finds a lot of rest uh, being active. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's that constant tension for us when we go on vacation because I want to sit by the pool and read, and she wants to go, you know, whitewater rafting or something yeah. like that. And um, and it ends up being good, and I'm, you know, because uh, then I, I get to go whitewater rafting instead of wasting all my time reading a book. But well, I think <coughs> you're, you're bringing up a really important point. And mm. when you're married, you have to let your spouse rest the way they want to yeah. rest. Mm. If you try and control or micromanage their life, mm. it's not going to be happy for anybody. When you have kids, it's a big challenge too because kids, just like little, uh, you know, animals, they need care all the time. So <laughs> yeah. how to rest with kids is even a bigger challenge. Mm -hmm. um, we're in a stage of life where the kids are out of the house, but when our grandkids are staying with us, I still do a Sabbath even when my grandkids are over because I'll tell them, no, I'm not going to go do this or that with you today. Uh, we'll do that tomorrow. Today is my time with the Lord. And 
uh, we might play games in the house together. Mm -hmm. We might play a board game or something like that. But um, everybody needs to find that rhythm and life changes and family dynamics mm -hmm. change. And so incorporating it so people realize what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing, communicating about it can be a big help. Mm -hmm. One thing I've, uh, again, just recently, I, I've been very recently experimenting with changing things up a little bit with the Sabbath and um, the way I honor it, just trying to explore it a little bit more and, and find more dynamics to it than, than what I've been doing for a long time. And, and I've been trying to honor the Sabbath for for a long, long time now, for years and years and years. But um, <clears throat> but I've been playing with the idea of some of the rituals too. Um, mm. I don't think these are things that are commanded, um, or, or I would say that they're not in the scriptures. Um, but even just some of the things, borrowing from the Jewish tradition um, and playing around with that a little bit, and I'm just beginning to do that. And one little thing that um, that most Jewish people will do is, uh, you know, at Friday evening when the Sabbath begins, they'll uh, they'll light a candle and. Um, and the woman of the house will, will read a blessing. And, mm -hmm. and it just kind of is a simple little signi signification that, hey, this next 24 hours, it's for you, God, and you've blessed us. And, um, and so that's been a fun little thing to do. And my wife, mm -hmm. you know, and I have a good laugh when we try to read the Hebrew blessing and then we read yeah. it in, in English and let it be something that means a little bit more to our hearts. But, um, but yeah, just these little things uh, that I, I don't think at all ha are necessary for the Sabbath. I think that the core of the Sabbath is rest, is mm -hmm. uh, is keeping it holy, is connecting with the Lord. But um, there's something about the human heart uh, that really attaches to ritual. And I think the key is, um, you know, as Protestants, I think we tend to be uh, scared of ritual because right. we, yeah. uh, we come from a tradition that is a response to maybe you might say the perversion of ritual. Um, where uh, sometimes we have this tendency to believe that ritual has this capacity to cleanse us or to make us holy or to do things that only God and only Jesus can do. Um, but at the core of ritual is something really good. It's just this thing that is, a f is us spiritually engaging in a physical act that reminds us of, of what's happening, of what we're doing. It's a, it's a signification, it's a symbol for us. And mm -hmm. so as long as in your heart you're not accidentally thinking, oh, lighting a candle on the Sabbath is going to make the day holy and that's all I got to right. do. And you're remembering, no, this is just something that I do in my house mm -hmm. and it reminds us that this is a day for the Lord and it's a sweet little little moment. It's kind of like, you know, making making pancakes on a Sunday morning. You know, it just lets you know this is, this is what's yeah. going on today. This is a day for family. This is a day for connection, and, and, and over years, I think it has the capacity to build up an expectation and a hope of what's going to happen on this day. Right. And the Jewish people also went to synagogue on the Sabbath, and due to this day, um, for most people, engaging in a worship service really is restful. Yeah. If you're a pastor and you're having to prepare messages all week, and you're having to preach and care for people in a Sunday church setting, that's not very restful. Mm -hmm. Right. But... Um, when we had Saturday night services, mm -hmm. for me, that was always part of my <clears throat> Sabbath. Um, as, as long as I didn't feel like I had to um, do the service, lead mm -hmm. the service, that changes the dynamic of it considerably. Totally. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm really glad we talked for quite a bit on, on this idea of a Sabbath day. Um, but I would like to, before we wrap up our conversation, I'd like to talk about um, trying to find Sabbath in different seasons of your life, as well as Sabbath or trying to find rest on a daily basis, because I think these are both important concepts that Christians need to, to grapple with. So both of you have 
I, I know a little bit of each of your stories, and I know that you've each gone through seasons of your life where you've taken extended periods of rest. And I kind of want to, um, if you're willing to share, just kind of uh, open up about the experience that kind of led into that, what you learned in that Sabbath season, and how that has shaped the way you viewed rest since that experience in your life. So either one of you can open that up. Yeah, well, Mark's uh, probably got a little more experience on this than I. Well, yeah, I had a, <laughs> I'll tell you my first uh, sabbatical, which mm-hmm. is an extended Sabbath, was when I was 44 years old, and I had really hit the wall. I was emotionally drained. Um, I wasn't in a healthy place. My son had died, then our next door neighbor died, and I was um, really, really drained. And so our elders basically put me on a forced sabbatical for four months. And it felt like a sentence at first because I had been so used to working all the time. But it was a little bit like in the Old Testament concept where they hadn't taken their regular rest and God sent them into you know, captivity for 70 years in Babylon mm-hmm. so that they would get their Sabbaths and, mm-hmm. and the land would rest and that sort of thing. Um, so during that time, I was away from a secretary. I had to learn how to type for the first time in my life, which turned out to be really productive because that's this was 1944, right when... I mean, 1994. I was going to say, you're not that old, Mark. Yeah. Come on, man. 1994, right when the Internet was really taking root, right when people were first starting to do email. If I hadn't learned to type, I would it would have hindered me for years to come. Right. It turned... There were all kinds of blessings that came... But basically, I had to learn a different lifestyle where I wasn't living so close to the edge all the time. I think my lifestyle was motivated by fear as well as faith. I was serving Jesus. I, I had faith in Jesus, but I also didn't have a healthy sense of how much was my role, how much was the role of the other pastors I worked with, how much God was going to do, and what my part was. And if you're Uh, insecure and driven by fear then Mm -hmm. it actually undermines the work you're doing it doesn't enhance Mm -hmm. it totally well well, I want to before we move on to Alec Mm -hmm. how has that that experience shaped the way that you've Sabbath since then has there been a shift in in your paradigm one of the things is um, in the old days I used to come home have dinner and then immediately get on the phone and start following up with people all the time. Mm-hmm. When I had that four months off, the church actually did fine in my absence. So I, it helped me to realize deep in my heart a lot of what I had been doing that had pushed me so close to the edge uh, didn't really need to be done. So I began to back off. So it, it began to help my whole concept of Sabbath mm-hmm. in terms of entering God's rest, trusting the Lord with the church more. Um, and then once I had a little bit a more mar- margin, then I could handle some of the crises that came up that required me to live on adrenaline, work 100 hours one week or whatever, mm-hmm. um, because I actually had the margin so that I could do it if I had to do it, rather than be so close to the edge that the crises pushed me over. Totally. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing, Mark. Yeah, I mean, I... Uh, I think one of the key things about Sabbath that we really miss uh, and, and don't don't see, and it's it's easy to to go through life and not recognize it. But if if you don't take Sabbath, Sabbath will take you. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's almost like like a release valve that God that God gave us. He said you're gonna rest on average one out of seven days. 
And you're either going to do it on purpose, and it's going to be a day for the Lord, and it's going to be a day for your family, or it's going to be in a hospital or on a sickbed. You know, it, it's going to happen. And, and Mark touched on it a little bit, too, but that's actually, uh, we, we see that happen with the nation of Israel. Because God said to Israel, not only are you going to do the Sabbath, this one day a week, but he actually said, here are these Sabbath years, one every seven years. Uh, and then it's going to culminate um, with the Jubilee, you know, every half decade or so, or every right. half century or so, uh, which is a whole other type of crazy, awesome, uh, but difficult uh, Sabbath year. And if you look in, in Ezekiel uh, chapter 4 uh, and in Chronicles chapter 36, uh, it becomes, sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 36, it's really clear uh, that, that actually the exile primarily from God's perspective um, happened because the people of Israel and Judah were not honoring the Sabbath. And, and I'll spare you the math, but you can do the math and you can add it up and actually see that 70 years directly correlates to the amount of uh, years of Sabbath years and years of Jubilee that the people of Israel skipped. Um, that that's exactly the number of Sabbath years that they skipped was seventy. And so it's like God and just the way the world works, saying, "Look, you're either going to take these Sabbath years in the Holy Land, in the land mm -hmm. that I gave you as a, as a year of blessing, or you're going to skip them and you're going to find yourselves in exile, in captivity." Right. Um, and so I think it's really important for us to honor these rhythms. Because if we don't honor these rhythms, these rhythms are going to come for us, and they're going to take us over. And mm. um, and I don't know about you, but I'd much rather spend my Sabbath uh, in a hammock than a hospital bed. Right. Um, and um, so yeah, I mean, I think for you know for me, uh, it wasn't as extreme as a situation, but I've been doing ministry for quite a while. And uh, David Stockton, who um, at the time was Mark's associate pastor, um, just came to me and said, "I think you need to." leave the country for a while and take a Sabbath. Um, and so I went and I picked up and I spent a couple months uh, in a small village that you're familiar mm -hmm. with, Brandon, yep. in Gales Point, Belize, uh, just hanging out with a, a friend of mine who's a pastor in that village and um, found a lot of rest. And, and, it, and it, did, it, felt like, uh, it felt like I was a yo-yo that had been spun up, mm -hmm. you know what I mean, so yep. tightly. And then as soon as I landed, it just felt like someone let go of the yo-yo and it was unspinning and unwinding the whole mm -hmm. time. And uh, and I started finding answers to questions uh, in my relationship with the Lord that I, I realized I could not have heard the Lord's voice correctly on these things had I not taken a Sabbath because yeah. I was so wound up and I had these parts of my heart where I, um, even though I, I cognitively, uh, intellectually believed God was good, emotionally I was convinced that he only wanted to hurt me in these areas. Mm -hmm. And it took Sabbath and, and some rest and it was couple of weeks before I realized like, oh no, he, he really cares for me in this area of my life. He's not just trying to hurt me here. He's trying to do something really good here. Um, and in that space, I was finally able to hear from the Lord on some of these issues. So, um, yeah. yeah. I took another sabbatical, um, back in 2013 and this time I wasn't forced to do it. This time I did it because, um, I really knew that this would probably be my last time as a senior pastor doing that. And I worked uh, on writing a book. And I say worked, I just simply mean I, I wrote down my life story, which is a memoir that had been on my heart to do for a long time. Yeah. So in a sense, it was like unburdening my soul. Mm. I never had the time to do it before because my, my sense of obligation didn't allow me to take an extended period of time to right. do that. And so that became a really productive season of rest for me. 
I also visited around a lot of different churches. And then when I came back, we started making a plan with our elders here to transition Living mm -hmm. Streams to uh, David Stockman's leadership. And that's been awesome too. Yeah. That's been something that I never thought I could really let go of and have peace. But as I've let go, the church has prospered. Mm -hmm. I've had more peace. It feels emotionally like I'm on a vacation, yeah. even though I'm working all the time anyway. But not having the pressure that I had carried for so many years. Totally. What, what I'm hearing is it's almost like these seasons of rest that we enter into are, are catalysts into the next season of promotion that the Lord wants right. to bring. And I, I had a very similar experience to you, Alec. I mean, I spent three months in the same little yeah. tiny village in Belize that you did. And I, I went there without the intention of taking a sabbatical. It was definitely, I, I was going with the expressed goal of uh, of doing ministry and I was thinking okay I'm gonna enter into this season of really intense like going after discipleship and that kind of stuff but when you enter into a culture that's not like America that's totally mm. high-strung totally fast-paced all the time always connected and you escape to a tiny village in Belize where internet connection <clears throat> rarely ever happens yeah. you know sometimes the power doesn't work sometimes there's not running water obviously there's a lot of struggles that come along with that but for for me I realized a couple weeks in I'm running at a pace that I cannot maintain. Yeah. And even though I'm doing ministry actively, like the Lord really did give me so much uh, rest in that season that I did not expect. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing that I learned coming out of that is that I cannot run at the pace that I was trying to. And out of that experience, I came back and some of my friends were just like, we don't even recognize you. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's something, there's something that's changed. And I think there is something significant about taking, whether it's one day a week or, or a season of rest, but taking some time to significantly uh, step back and reevaluate mm -hmm. what am I doing with my life? How am I using this time the Lord has given me and allow the Lord to really begin to speak because that really that that's been a common experience, I think, for, yeah. for all of us who have taken the time to really step back. The Lord has really broken in, and out of those seasons, there's almost been a, a, uh, a promotion into, into the next sure. thing the Lord yeah. has given us. It's, it's funny, as, as Americans, inside our American bubble, we look at the context that we're living our day-to-day -day life, um, and we have this fear that I, I, I'm, I'm lazy, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and that's really the, the barrier that we, that we struggle with. Uh, when it comes to Sabbath is, is, is are people going to look at me and call me lazy? And the truth right. is, yes, some, some probably might. Um, and in our cultural context, there's just not a lot of value uh, for a holy day of rest. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, more and more and more. So, I mean, look what's happened to Thanksgiving um, <laughs> in, in the past years, right? We're, we're Black Friday. You know, it used to be just so ironic and kind of gross that we celebrate you know, like just the debauchery of, of consumerism the day after we say we're thankful and then we go out and we trample people for a flat screen TV. Yeah. Um, and now it's encroached on Thanksgiving. You know, stores are opening up at five o'clock on Thanksgiving when you should be mm -hmm. eating food and, and spending time with your family. Um, and that's our culture. And we don't realize uh, that that's not normal mm -hmm. um, because it's normal in the world around us. We don't realize that in, in on this planet, we are probably one of the top three, four, five most time-obsessed societies that exist. Yeah. Um, there are very few who could top us. Maybe Japan, maybe Germany, I don't know. Um, but when you go, when you spend enough time traveling, you realize that the rest of the world does not do this. 
Mm-hmm. They, they rest. They're, they're not worried about things happening on the exact minute. I mean, when I'm going to be two minutes late, I now feel compelled in our culture to make sure that I'm letting someone know. And, and I do that. It's polite. It's, it's something that we do to honor people in our society. But that's ridiculous. I mean, think back even 20 years ago. You had at least 10 minutes before you had to try to contact someone. Um, and, and in Belize, it's like, well, if you're going to be there on the day you said you were going to be there, you're good to go. <laughs> exactly. You know? and, yeah. Let me mention a couple of things. One, when I was a young senior pastor, I had a wise man tell me, when you take a vacation, you need at least two weeks. The first week you'll be unwinding. The second week is when you'll really rest. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought, that's really tough. I don't know if I can be around away from our church plant in California for two straight weeks. And, uh, but I did it by faith, and he was really right. It was the second week that really brought rest to my soul because I was so tight from everything I was doing. I used to preach five times a week in those days and, and uh, all on the go seven days a week. Um, and it was in the second week that the Word of God started opening up to me, and I'd get refreshing and insight and messages that I could use for the coming year. Another thing that I saw with a friend of mine who ran a business in Alaska, they were in a resort business and uh, customers and clients came seven days a week. So their people would work for three months at a time and then the season would be over and they'd all make a ton of money and go home. But he kept losing employees. They would work for him for three or four or five weeks, they'd be all trained up, and then the employees would be fighting. Uh, Some of them would just quit with no notice. And I said, you've got to give these guys a day off. You've got to give them a break. Because if you don't, their uh, capacity diminishes over time. And it was costing them a lot of money and a lot of unnecessary frustration. The people just were not in a healthy state because they thought they had to make all their money in three months, and so we'll take a break after the three months is over. And uh, there's some things that you can't get away with along those lines. And, and I would bet there are a number of people listening right now who are kind of in a, uh, a not maybe a microcosm is the wrong word, but uh, who are in a, an expanded situation from that, right? Where you're thinking, oh, gee, Sabbath is nice for the people who get those many days off. Mm-hmm. Sabbath is nice for the people who can do that. Sabbath is nice for the people who aren't, you know, in a mountain of debt. You know, Sabbath is nice for the people who aren't running their own company or starting yeah. this or that. But the truth is, it's going to be a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. If you live in America and and you're wanting to, to honor the Lord by it's honoring the Sabbath, yeah, it's going to cost you something. Yeah. You're looking at your life and you're saying, I, I, but my days off are homework days or yard work days or what? It's going to cost you something. It's going to be a sacrifice. You're going to lose maybe some capital at work, relationally speaking. You're going to lose maybe some, some financial capital. You're going to lose, uh, you know, you're going to go down from an A to a B in your college courses, whatever. I, I, I don't know what it is. It's probably going to cost you something. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have to go to people and say, no. You know, yeah. you might have to have a conversation with your spouse and say, look, uh, uh, this is the Sabbath day and I would love it if you want to join me in it. But if not, I still really need you to help me honor this day. Um, and, and you're going to have to lose something totally. uh, and it's going to be worth it. I mean, what, when has God ever asked you <laughs> to give him something and it didn't one cost you something and two end up being 10 times more worth it. Yeah. That's really Amen. good. Amen. Yeah, no, that's fantastic, guys. I think there, there's one more thing I'd like to bring up before before we wrap up today, and that's a 
daily practice of, of rest. I think that um, it's obviously more than just taking time off, as we've discussed. It's obviously, you know, no, you know not everyone has to take a few months in order to, to recenter and uh, figure out all their life issues. But I think there is something really significant about learning a pattern of rest, as you mentioned earlier on in this podcast, Mark, which infiltrates the way that you live your life on a daily basis. So I'd just like just a couple seconds just to respond to what on a daily basis do you do in order to make sure that you are doing what Hebrews instructs you to do is entering into the Lord's rest. There's a couple of things that I try and do. One is um, I give myself permission to take a nap. Because if I can get a 20-minute nap in the afternoon, I'm good to go till 10 o'clock at night, and I feel refreshed. If I don't, I mean, I don't every day, but the many times it's diminishing returns. Then I'm, I'm wanting to get coffee. Then I'm, I'm, I'm pushing myself. Then my temper's shorter. Mm-hmm. I'm much healthier if I can get a brief nap. I used to be too insecure. What if the elders of our church thought that I'm taking a nap in the middle of the day at 2 <clears throat> o'clock or whatever? The other thing I try and do, and I did it last night, um, it's like getting to 10 o'clock and I'm watching the Warriors basketball game and the score's tied and it's a really exciting game and I really like the Warriors and it's the playoffs, but I went ahead and went to bed. Because if I push myself into the adrenaline mode mm-hmm. through excitement, through stimulation, then I can't. I go to bed, but I can't get to sleep for right. another hour yeah. because I'm, I'm too keyed up. Then I'm going to have to pay the price the next day. I would rather just find out what happened later. And that, to me, is a step of faith to step away from excitement and stimulation. We leave a lot of parties that are still fun while everybody's having fun because I know I'm going to be a healthier person if I quit while I still have some grace rather right. than when I'm already completely drained. That's good. I think uh, I think for me, one of the one of the tools that um, actually came out of season of fasting. And it's funny because I guess you just expect tools from the Lord to be really organic and cool and spiritual or whatever. But we were fasting a couple of years ago and uh, with the church with living streams. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the Lord say to me, uh, Alec, I want you to schedule out to the detail your, your average week um, mm-hmm. and, and put those, uh, put those moments and activities in your phone and set, set uh, reminders for it. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound <laughs> really cool or fun right, or yeah. like, really, God, like I, you're going to make me more, more organized. I, I guess so. Sure. Um, and I sat down and I wrote out, you know, kind of what a day ought to look like, not what it does look like every single day and plug that into the, in my phone. And what I found was so interesting uh, because I would carve out you know, uh, you know, half an hour for this, half an hour for that, um, and 10 minutes for this, 15 minutes for that. And the goal uh, that, that arose in my life was spend this amount of time on that this day, and it doesn't matter if you finish it. Just dedicate this amount of time in it. You know, for me, I have this tendency to say, if I'm going to read my book, I want to read my book for an hour or two hours or three hours. I want to really immerse myself in the book. Well, now I'm, I'm able to spend half an hour reading a book or 45 minutes reading a book. And the net result is I get more time unwinding, reading my novel, just chilling out mm-hmm. um, in the week because it's okay to spend half an hour at the beginning of the day on a Monday uh, reading my book. You know, And I tell myself, uh, if I'm going to clean the house, I'm going to clean the whole house. Uh, well, now I'm finding, okay, well, there's 15 minutes on Tuesday that my phone tells me clean the house. And it's okay. I don't have to finish the whole thing. I don't even have to finish the kitchen. You know what I mean? I'm just going to spend 15 minutes cleaning. Um, and so doing that and then prioritizing those moments of rest for me early on in the day for most days were, 
where I'll actually, I, 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 I'll read my novel, just my sci-fi, fantasy, whatever thing, before I have a quiet time, um, which feels a little weird and counterintuitive, right? God is first, and certainly he is. But what that enables me to do is just to unwind, to wake up a little bit, to, to actually get my mind working and moving, and, mm-hmm. and to find some rest and some peace and something that's just, you know, it's not mindless like Netflix, um, but it actually isn't, um, it's, it's not making me produce something. And then that, for me, will lead into a quiet time. Um, and spending time with the Lord. And so I think just, just, uh, just setting out times of the week, uh, mm-hmm. where you're going to rest intentionally. Um, and also making sure that that's possible because you've also set a, set out times of the week and in specific days when you're going to do specific tasks. Yeah. So, good that's order. really good. Yeah. Um, one more thing before we wrap up. I know I've said that a couple times now, but I, I just love having <laughs> you guys here. It's guy. so good. So you're that worship leader. Um, one more, just, just, just one, one, one more time. Chorus. We'll do that we'll chorus do. one more time. One more time. <laughs> I love it. But I, I think for people watching that or listening, however they may be receiving this um, information, if there's, is there some sort of a resource or something that you would recommend for someone who wants to go deeper? Maybe this is the first time they've ever really listened to something on, on Sabbath and they want yeah, to Yeah, I, I mentioned the book by Mark Buchanan. He's a Canadian author. It's really okay. well written. It's full of insight. It's called The Rest of God. The Rest of God. Restoring your soul by restoring the Sabbath. I think it's the best resource on Sabbath I've ever seen. Awesome. I'm drawing a blank. Do you, I don't know if you, either you guys can remember the book that Tozier has on, on Sabbath. I'm trying to remember the title um, for that. Um, I can't, uh, just, we got Google. A.W. Tozier and rest. Yeah. He's got a, he's got a great book on that. That hits a little bit on what Mark was talking about earlier on in this podcast about, you know, uh, the Sabbath actually being something that's meant to teach us to rest on every single day. Totally. Um, I know, you know, you talked about, you've been reading Garden City, and I know that uh, recently uh, Bridgetown Church, where John Mark Comer is from, they've done some talks on Sabbath that have been really powerful mm-hmm. and impactful. Um, and David Stockton on the Living Streams uh, podcast, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. This last week. Some good stuff there. So, yeah. Well, I really appreciate both of you being here. This has been a lot of fun, and I really look forward to our next conversation. Wonderful. Right. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Bless. Everyone, thank you so much for watching or listening to the Living Streams podcast. We really look forward to the next time you join us. We're going to have some amazing guests right here, so be sure to subscribe, and we look forward to next time. This has been a production of Living Streams Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you like what you heard, please visit us at livingstreams.org and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 